crypto helped me a lot in also finding my way into investment as a whole, right? Because uh, coming from a family with a migration background, never holding any assets before, um, investing was always something negative, bad, right? So this journey helped me a lot in understanding this. Hello and welcome to DeFire, the podcast that makes crypto more fun, engaging and accessible for everyone. My name is Jonas and the young man you just heard is Daniel, aka Danku R. Four months ago, Danku launched a YouTube channel. Today, over 11,000 crypto fans already subscribe to his channel. In his YouTube videos, Danku explains the latest DeFi protocols. He focuses mostly but not exclusively on the Terra Luna ecosystem. In this episode, we talk about his crypto journey, the opportunities of Web3 and NFTs for content creators. We philosophize about money and of course we talk about Terra Luna. Please enjoy my conversation with Danku R, who will be guiding us today through the quickly expanding Lunaverse. Before we start, let's quickly address our sponsor today. CryptoValley.jobs is a job board where engineers, designers, analysts, traders and community builders can find cool crypto jobs. Full disclosure, I run this job board as a side project of this podcast. So if you are looking for a job or you want to advertise an open position, please go and visit CryptoValley.jobs. And while you're there, make sure to sign up on the email list so you're always informed when new jobs are posted on the platform. That's CryptoValley.jobs. And now let's start the show. Let's warm up a little bit then. Uh, how, how are you, man? How, how, you good? I'm totally fine, um, accepting that it's freezingly cold here in Germany. Minus degree after a week in Lisbon, uh, enjoying 20 degrees and sun. Uh, it's tough, but it's okay. <laughs> you went to Lisbon for the blockchain week, um, but you are coming from originally, or your parents are coming from Spain somewhere down there. Yeah, my parents are both from Spain. In the 70s, my grandparents moved to Germany to find work. My parents then stayed here. I'm basically the third generation. Uh, the first born in Germany, and I guess you can call me a classical European. I was raised here in Germany. Basically, you can call me German. Officially, from a passport perspective, I'm just Spanish because I cannot have double nationality. Germany doesn't allow to have two passports. No, they changed now the rules uh, a few years ago. Mm -hmm. But uh, when I was born, it was because blood is more important than territory. In the US, if you're flying over the US, you are immediately a citizen of the US. But in Europe, at least for Spain and Germany, it's blood more important than territory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, immigration countries, they want to keep people coming and the, the Europeans, they're like, ah, stay out of here. <laughs> uh, interesting. But I didn't know that they wouldn't allow like two passports because um, I think it's a bad look if you, if you don't allow that. Because the citizens of the world, right? I mean, my wife is Brazilian. She's getting a Swiss passport soon, hopefully. And I'm going to try to get the Brazilian passport as well. Really? That's super interesting to hear. I mean, you know, uh, a lot of things also is about how powerful your passport is for traveling. But I think the German one is the second most powerful with 189 countries. Spain is yeah. number three. So I'm fine with both of them from that perspective. But mm -hmm. it's weird because I cannot uh, go vote in Germany, right? I have been born yeah. here. I have been raised here. I live all my life here, but I'm not officially part <laughs> of the German yeah. society, I cannot vote, which is and weird. And do you, do you speak Spanish? Yes. 
Yes. I was very lucky that back then in the 90s, when I was born, there were a lot of uh, people from Spain. So my mother told me that I was raised the first three years of my life just in Spanish. And my parents also sent me to a Spanish school once a week, which I'm very grateful for. As a child, you always say, no, not again, more school after mm -hmm. the German school. But uh, that's great because now I can speak German, Spanish and also English. And that helps a lot worldwide. <laughs> yeah, of course. And that makes you a good communicator. Um, Danku, before we start, we, ha we have to figure out how we address you. You are online, pseudonymous, right? You, ha you are Danku underscore R, Danku R. And that's very typical for the crypto space. But you show your face in, in the videos in the YouTube channel that you have. How do you want to be addressed? And maybe also, you know, tell a little bit the story. How, introduce yourself, please. Yeah. You can call me Danku, but it's also fine for me to be called Daniel, which is my normal name, which is part of the synonymous, right? It's just Daniel's D-A-N is the first part of this. Um, I decided in the beginning that I want to show my face because if you see somebody, I think it gives you also more something of, okay, he, I know who he is, right? Uh, I maybe trust him more. <laughs> Everybody needs to decide on his side. Yeah, on the long term, I don't have a problem to be doxxed. <laughs> so you can call me Daniel or Danku. It depends on you. Mm -hmm. Because, um, I mean, it ties in this bigger trend of the crypto world where a lot of people also on Twitter are pseudonymous or actually really anons. And I, I guess for the first time ever, you can be a part of a economy and kind of contribute. And people don't take that as a bad sign. For instance, Hazu, another term, kind of like influencer slash, uh, he probably wouldn't like to be influencer, uh, educator or yes. analyst, crypto yeah. analyst. Nobody knows who he is and he's working for a big company, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's um, something that it's cool that people can do it, but I personally don't put value on it because I'm lucky that in Germany, I don't need to be anonymous. I'm not persecuted because of this, right? So I think... There is a benefit to be anonymous if you want so. But I think mm -hmm. if you also take a look of now Hasso as an example, he still has a brand himself, right? I think we are anyway going into a world where crypto in the normal world is getting closer together. So it's basically the same, right? If he would stop being Hasso, he would lose his credibility online. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I personally don't have a problem that people know who I am because what would be for me the downside? Zero, mm -hmm. right? Maybe people have a reason. Uh, for that but I don't have yeah. it personally uh, that's a very good point if you would go to and do another thing that you might want to do in the future you can transport that fame from Danku R to your other project while somebody who's pseudonymous has trouble without boxing themselves to kind of go down that route yes. right? That's why, you know, that's a very interesting conversation. I love to have this. That's why when people say, I have a new profile picture, there is a new NFT project. And I say, I think you're mm -hmm. underestimating how much your brand was already built and you cannot just change now your picture and how you look like, right? So the mm -hmm. moment you change your profile picture, you probably lose a lot of drive and the people don't recognize you anymore, right? I mean, if I'm scrolling through Twitter and somebody has a new profile, I'm looking more at the picture, right, than at the name. I think everybody will see more and more with the technology of NFTs that you can tokenize your own brand, your own value. Everybody is a brand, right? Your personality mm -hmm. is basically a brand. It's a different way to describe it. Uh, mm -hmm. So we will tokenize ourselves, but we will not take other tokens to describe uh, us. You know, you know what I mean? I cannot just take a new NFT project and put it on myself. What does it mean for me? Nothing, right? I'm still mm -hmm. out there with the followership and the people that want to listen to me because of me, not because of the new profile picture I have. 
Yeah. I mean, a lot of people seem to grow lately their uh, Twitter followers, etc. by, let's say, buying into the board Ape Yacht Club and then hashtag Ape Follow Ape. And it seems to be super powerful. It, it, I think it's also part of why these profile picture NFTs have this drive. People want to tag into this community and there's a price on that as well. Um, you don't do that. You stole a common image from the internet, basically. Your uh, wish from Dragon Ball, and I have to say, I have no idea about Dragon Ball. Um, I, I'm ashamed to say. What's the thinking there? How, how, why, why this character? Uh, first of all, it's super cool that you say it, because when people then say that the NFT helped me to get this brand, I'll say, well, I have a JPEG that I stole from somewhere. Stole. I cannot say that before now somebody comes over and <laughs> puts a restraint on me. But I just took that. It's commonly open, right? I can use this to represent myself. And I also created value, right? So the value is not connected that it's an NFT. It's it's the image itself that there is, right? And mm -hmm. um, why we? So uh, I'm just a big Dragon Ball fan uh, as a child. And I think we are the first generation who can stay child for their whole life because we have also new financial instruments that help us to basically keep on with that childhood. Before, people had to move away from their childhood to become adults because they need to work. But I think we, we can now accept that. Their nerdism is cool, right? Everybody watches Marvel. It's still their childhood. And Whis is just the character I love the most about Dragon Ball. He is an angel, and uh, he is just a character who doesn't judge. He has no opinion. He just observes and he tries to educate, and he tries to give feedback uh, and train the people out there. All right, stop. Neither of you yet possess the necessary speed. You two are both still thinking before you move rather than just moving. And I'm afraid... And I like this a lot, right? This kind of, I don't get biased. I'll try to stay as objective as possible and just look at the things of what they are themselves. Mm -hmm. So somehow that is sticking with me. So... So you're saying this this character is kind of like an educator, just as you are, because um, I think what we also have to do with the introduction of yourself, what you're doing, and you are a content creator in the crypto space, is that right? Uh, educator, and you have a YouTube channel and uh, Twitter, and uh, you write also on Medium. So these are the channels you're using currently. Um, and you, is that right? You, you, you just started like four months ago, basically, with YouTube and already have like 10,000 or almost 11,000 uh, subscribers. Yeah. And how does that go? How, how did that work? I've also done some math. You've done 54 um, videos already. So that's between three to four a week you, you're pushing out. How, yeah. how do you do that while holding down a full-time job as well? <laughs> uh, yeah, good. don't sleep, right? <laughs> that's the, uh, in crypto, nobody sleeps. It's uh, around the clock. Um, so first of all, I don't know if the word educator, I, I don't like it because it sounds so from the top. There are a lot of things that seem very complicated or are sold as being complicated. But in the end, if you look at it from a zero principle perspective, it's very straightforward, right? How the process works and how I went into this completely by accident, right? And I'm so blessed that uh, I was lucky to get people that subscribe me and would like to listen to me. I have nothing to do with content in my former job. I'm an industrial engineer uh, who was working in strategic marketing, in pricing, something completely different. But an industrial engineer understands usually the matter, also from a data perspective uh, behind that, analytics, but on the other side also can apply it in the real world. And I think that helps me <laughs> in the content mm -hmm. creation a lot. And how I started is I went into the crypto game. I went on Twitter. 
Um, then there was mirror version two on Terra, right? Um, there were a few strategies that you could like say visualize. So I just took it and I created a few flowcharts. And then people said, hey, interesting. Uh, so it got a little bit of uh, buzz out there. I, I just had maybe a hundred followers, whatever, right? And then somebody said, could you do a video and explain this? And I said, I can try. Sure, why not? So I started my first video on YouTube, right? Uh, oh, wow. So it's really um, like grassroots, like people asking you to do, make the video. You, you were not like, hey, I need to become a YouTuber. Um, people were asking you to become a YouTuber. Well, I don't know if they asked me to become a YouTuber. <laughs> that sounds a little bit uh, funny, but in a way of... So also in my former job, uh, usually I did all the presentations, right? I just like to talk about ideas. So it was always like, well, it would be fun to do that. But in the end, I didn't seek for it. It was more like I did this, people gave feedback and people said, hey, uh, we took something from it positively. I understand it. Keep on, right? Maybe you can explain in permanent loss. Maybe you can give us insights on anchor protocol, whatever. So I just kept going. And yeah, it's, it's crazy how much it has grown. I'm very humbled that the people like it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I think we, we must have uh, jumped some steps because a newcomer coming into crypto um, probably first has so many questions and, and will be overwhelmed and somehow magically will be ending up at Cardano somehow. I don't know how that is working. <laughs> how did you uh, find the Terra Luna ecosystem and wh why did you pick that one as your first uh, passion, it seems? Yeah, so I, I'm not a maximalist, right? It was just because I had just five videos out there and I started with this topic of mirror protocol. So I had nothing else. I'm a multi-chain fan. It's just that this is where I started and I'm just in love with the ecosystem. And if you ask why, that's a longer story, but I'm, I'll try to break it down as much as possible. The TLDR is, um, so I'm a big fan of the whole crypto ecosystem because I think it can help a lot. Yes. A lot of people are in here, which is totally fine to hopefully find financial independency, which I'm also seeking and hopefully the videos help people. But I think crypto can change a lot and even out the playing field on so many things, be it politically, so the anonymous thing, be it financially, so banking the unbank and all this kind of stuff. So um, I went into the whole rabbit hole of listening for hours to podcasts, right? You also told me last time that you like podcasts. So I'm listening to mm -hmm. Anthony Pompliano. Yes, he's a little bit of a Bitcoin maxi, but he has a lot of great guests. Peter McCormack, um, Lex Friedman has amazing crypto podcasts. Also, when he speaks with Charles Hoskinson for five hours about Cardano, mm -hmm. uh, very interesting. Um, so I learned a lot about Bitcoin and all these kind of topics. And then I said, well, it's interesting about Bitcoin, but I have a feeling that there has to be something else to really onboard the masses right now, because Bitcoin is too volatile right now to really make it our global currency. So I don't know if you've heard about the Triffin Dilemma, which is basically saying that we have in the world a problem because the dollar is a global reserve currency right now, but the dollar is also represented by the US, which has own interests, which is independent from the world, right? They have the Fed and they do to help their own economy. That's a problem for the whole world. So we would need an independent currency. And that was already proposed in the 70s, I think by, ah, uh, now I don't have um, the name. Anyway, he was saying that we have maybe something like an additional currency that was called banker, right? And then the IMF later on came with the idea of special drawing rights. So SDRs, they're still out there, which is a basket of the biggest currencies out there. And um, all those were interesting ideas, but nobody wanted to do that. Why? Because the countries, they want to have the power about their own currency, right? Mm -hmm. So they never bought into the idea of let's do one global currency. 
And now it's like aliens came over and put down a currency that is independent from all the countries and it's called Bitcoin, right? So this could solve a lot of problems worldwide if we now have something that we can measure ourselves against, which cannot change their financial policy because they're 21 million Bitcoin, they will always stay 21 million, right? So I like this idea of long-term store of value. But then I thought with this volatility, I cannot go today in a grocery store, buy a banana for two Satoshis and tomorrow it's five Satoshis. Mm -hmm. Could there be a system that helps us to go this way in the next years? And then I found the Terra Luna ecosystem because you have Luna on the one side, which is working as a store of value for the whole ecosystem like Bitcoin. And then you have the representation on the other side of stable coins, which is right now fiat. So I think Bitcoin with the Triffin dilemma works to fiat like Luna to stable coins. But Luna and stable coins are already in a crypto ecosystem and can interact with DeFi and can make stuff way more efficient from not paying fees to so many people because of your credit card and all this kind of stuff, right? So that's how I found the Terra Luna ecosystem. Sorry for explaining it in such a long uh, way. It's not the only ecosystem I found, but that was the one that was working completely different than so many others, right? It was a dual token system model, which has a clear purpose because mm -hmm. the more the ecosystem grows, the more value is captured by Luna. So there is also a clear goal for us lunatics, as they call them. If we grow the stable coins, everybody will just benefit from Luna growing in value. And that's just something mm -hmm. where I think we align our goals so much. That's why all the founders and all the community in the Terra Luna ecosystem is so close together because we don't fight each other. We together drive for the goal, growing stable coins, which will help everybody to uh, grow the value of Luna. But you had Do Kwan. He probably explained it way better than me. <laughs> <laughs> I had Do Kwan on, and uh, for listeners, he is the founder of Terra. Um, you had the chance now to meet him personally in Lisbon. I'm not sure how much time you had, and it was kind of, <laughs> a, I guess, a party set up, etc., but if you would have a chance to ask him something, what would be your biggest question that you have for him? Oof, um, my question would be, when was the moment when it made click for him that this is the way forward? Just a few days ago, there was a video released, like a small documentary about himself and TFL, the company behind the Terra ecosystem that built this. And he said that the ecosystem helps to get closer to the vision that Satoshi Nakamoto had with Bitcoin, right? To make peer-to-peer -peer transactions uh, permissionless. And uh, that's what I would like to understand. When was the moment when he found this never seen before ecosystem and idea, right? To have two tokens that have such an elegant design. <laughs> what made it stand out for me personally was when I heard about Luna and Terra the first time and learned about it, um, Everybody was in DeFi summer and it felt to me that this is kind of like an artificial kind of a house of cards, you know, like you lock in things and you get some random governance tokens. And it, I, I was fascinated by, by it, but I didn't really understand where the value is coming from and if this is working. And then Luna Terra was so different because the, the vision was to bring crypto to the masses. He, he built protocols like the Anchor Protocol, which we, we're going into afterwards that are solving an everyday man's, woman's, everyday people problem, right? Nowadays, there is no difference in, in your bank between a checking and the savings account anymore. It's the same. And on, on Terra, you can save and you get 20% stable yields over the years. And it has worked so far quite well. 
Um, what would you say? I mean, you know the system much better. I know there's Mirror, there's Anchor. What else is out that we should mention? And maybe one sentence, like, what is it? What, what does the protocol do? What are all the Legos that we have to play with in this ecosystem? The amount of Legos is right now exponentially growing. Uh, almost every uh, day, you can say. Uh, so right now we have, besides this, you mentioned, we have also Pylon protocol, which is lossless investment. So you put down a principal like 100 bucks and then it creates yield primarily over Anchor and then it pays off stuff. Like in the future, mm -hmm. maybe your mobile phone contract or so forth. There are now a few yield optimizer out there, Spectrum Finance, uh, which does auto compounding and so, and now Apollo DAO, which also does this, but is focused on creating a war chest to then accumulate a lot of value and then deploy very complex strategies in the future. There is Nexus Protocol, who is protecting you from liquidations on Anchor Protocol with your collateral. Then we have launch platforms like StarTerra. We have hopefully soon a landing platform of Mars, which is coming live in Q1. We have the, let's say, basic DEX, which was uh, helped to also develop Mirror, which is called TerraSwap. But now we have the next level um, DEX, which is coming, which is Astroport, which is using a lot of the ideas of Curve, Balancer, Uniswap, and putting it all together into a next level DEX. Then we have Prism and uh, Levana protocol, which are completely crazy, which will go, probably go live in the next two months. Prism is uh, refracturing assets. So you have a token, which has a principal part like Luna and the yield part with the airdrops and the staking, and they break it up and you can handle them separately. I think we cannot even understand what will happen once we really uh, work with this. It's like Pendle Party. And then there will also be Levana, which is a leverage token protocol. So you don't buy Luna, you buy a 2x Luna token, which moves in a leveraged way next to Luna. Mm -hmm. um, so you see the amount, and I probably forgot a lot of other protocols. White Whale is coming, which is helping to be you and me a whale because we help to arbitrage with small amounts of money. Uh, it's, it's crazy right now what's happening out there. <laughs> so many protocols. Speaking of whales, do you know how fairly distributed the Luna ecosystem is? I mean, you know, like this pie chart of how, how many founders reward or the Gini coefficient is also one of those numbers that says how, how fairly distributed the, the token is. Yeah, so I, of course, try to also understand it for sure more in the beginning. Should I invest? Yes or no? And um, I think right now everybody can see this data on chain. A big part of the distribution is still with TFL. I mean, which makes sense because it's the company that founded uh, this. Um, you can see openly the wallet of TFL. I don't know right now how many million. I think it's around 300 million or 250 million tokens uh, that are um, still with TFL. I hope I said the million amount correctly, but probably 20 to 30% should be still with TFL around that. Mm -hmm. You could argue now that right now the distribution is still not as decentralized as you might would like to see it in crypto. At the same time, and there is a lot of conspiracy theories, right? Oh, what if they dump everything on the market and so forth? And I'm usually saying, why should they do that, right? They benefit the most uh, from all of this. So I think it's still uh, a journey to become more decentralized, which I think is also in the interest of TFL, like Do Kwan said it in TFI Alpha in New York, that they are working hard to decentralize it more and more. Right? I think they mm -hmm. want to dissolve TFL long-term, but it's work in progress. So we, we should keep an eye on that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think it's also uh, from a legal perspective, it makes a lot of sense to decentralize uh, as quickly as possible because UST, the stablecoin, the most, I mean, 
uh, on Terra, you can have different stablecoins, probably the biggest one, which is UST, US Terra. I just want to quickly make a little description of how that one is working. Uh, it's an algorithmic stablecoin. Um, and compared to other ones, like, let's say USDC, which is very famous and well-known, USDC is backed by a real US dollar somewhere. So literally, $1 is somewhere locked in a bank account for each USDC that they can put out into the world. The US Terra token is not that way. It's an algorithmic stablecoin that works by market forces, so to say, where people kind of have the incentive to keep this pendulum in always around $1, right? Um, a lot of people have criticized algorithmic stablecoins. There's a little bit of thought around it. It hasn't been so battle-proven yet. What do you say to address the criticisms about US Terra? I think, first of all, um, criticism is the best that can happen because it gives you, a, hopefully, insights of how people could attack uh, this system. And it gives more clarity if there is an attack vector that maybe is still open that could be fixed, right? So I think there is nothing better than having FUD out there because it helps to also think about how the system works. Um, now, the question is what criticism it is. There is one side that there is a problem with holding the pack, right? So it's more a technical thing how it is set up. And on the other side, regulatory uh, issues. So from a technical perspective, if you take over time how Terra performed, it showed that it's pretty good performing, right? Uh, so it's close to $1, like all the other stable coins. Now, usually then people come and say, well, but there has been December 2020 and May 2021 where it lost his pack. Um, mm -hmm. That's true. It was, I think, down to 94 cents or so forth. But the question is to look deeper what happened there and why. And uh, if you go into the details of what happened in the May crash, which is a crash which we haven't seen often in crypto, right? What happened in May if you survive that, you've done something right, right? <laughs> That's what I would say, because I think it was mm -hmm. over 50%. The amount of money that was destroyed or value is completely crazy. That's why I personally think that we're seeing here a very strong and reliable system. So um, how the ecosystem works is that you have Luna and then the stable coins. If you want to mint a stable coin, you need to burn the equal amount of value in Luna. That means if there is more demand for a stable coin, we burn Luna mm -hmm. and then you get dollar. That's why it's not correct to say that UST is collateralized by Luna because it has an inherent value because you burn Luna, right? And so the value is burned, put into this coin, and then it's holding this. Now, if there is more demand for UST, it will go over the pack, so 1.001. So we need to burn more Luna. If there is less demand for it, People will probably burn UST and then mint Luna. So this is the concept how it works. What happened in May when there was such a big crash is that so many people were cashing out of UST that the system itself was capped at a certain amount of how many people can burn UST and how much Luna can be minted a day. So the system capped itself out so that it was impossible to uh, burn enough UST to hold the pack. So it was more like the system was designed in a way that's why it lost its pack. I think if the cap was not in there, it would have never lost his pack. That's just my naive mm -hmm. insight here. I agree with you. We need to see it over more time, right? And time will tell. The more time passes, the bigger the ecosystem becomes. And the bigger the ecosystem becomes, the less likely it is that it will completely flatter because UST is put into on different chains. It's locked in protocols, right? It is working. So it's very unlikely that we will destroy billions of UST out of nowhere and mint a lot of Luna. 
And then the other piece is, and just um, stop me, right? If I'm going here no, too long, okay. the whole uh, regulatory piece of, yeah. like, let's say, USDC and USDT, where they have issued somewhere real dollar to back uh, their own version of the coins. Well, then you're basically becoming like a bank, right? So we need to regulate you. Uh, that's interesting because there was some thought about even that he was approached, Doquan, by uh, uh, by SEC. SEC guy. I don't know if you know more about this rumor. It was true, right? Uh, and also now um, TFL subpoenaed the SAC uh, backwards, right? Which is uh, probably also a big balls move <laughs> in the <laughs> way that we have seen the first one in the crypto environment who actively approaches now the SAC with a subpoena, which is crazy. So let's see. Now, if you go into details of why he was approached, it's, I mean, I'm not a legal guy. I cannot tell you exactly the details here, but also the same time, it's also around mirror, right? And this whole kind of mirrored assets that is basically giving you on the blockchain, Apple stocks and so forth. Yeah. But the question is, if people ask me, how the hell does an Apple stock appear on the blockchain? Well, it's nothing else that you and me, we can basically put down collateral and then we are again mirroring the value of the stock, right? How it's moving. It's not, we can call it M Apple, which is like the M version asset, of the mm -hmm. Apple stock, we can also call it M banana and say it's following the Apple stock, uh, you know, because you and me, we need to put down collateral. If it goes up in value, you and me, we need to put down more collateral to still make the system work, right? So we decide as a user, if we believe that this system makes sense, it's not magic internet money who just appears out of nowhere. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you're saying it's basically, we're just tracking something that is synthetic, that is not real. And I guess that's a little bit also what the SEC is saying is the, the issue actually with this thing. You know, like you don't buy a real stock and you don't really have the same backing, right? I guess that's what, what they have the issue with. You know, I think that what I understand is correctly and others should talk about this more. And uh, Papi, who is on Twitter, Crypto Night, one of the OGs in the Luna ecosystem, shout out to him if he's listening to this. Uh, he said last time, I think the SAC is more concerned about insider trading than anything else, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you are involved in, with one of these stocks, you are not allowed to trade it right on the um, US market. But now here, uh, you can permissionlessly go and still take benefit of the insider information you have. I mean, let's be honest, those people mm -hmm. that have insider information will also in the real world find other ways to make money, be it their family members buying the stocks or whatever it is. But I think it's more from that perspective, right? That they don't have control who buys it instead of how the system works. I think that's more the interesting conversation for the SAC. Ah, oh, that's interesting, yeah. I think it's just losing power. I mean, don't you also see sometimes, and maybe a general question, um, we are now in this honeymoon phase. Everybody who is believing in crypto, we obviously tend to only mention the cool stuff that is going to happen. However, and a lot of people in the early days have already thought about all the bad things as well. I mean, everything that you can throw in a Black Mirror episode. I mean, this stuff is possible on decentralized networks. I don't know, stuff like a marketplace for hitmen. Um, all kinds of crazy shit can happen decentralized. Do you think sometimes we are a little bit blind to this on purpose? Or do you think people know it, but they just don't want to talk about it? Uh, I think it's a good point to talk also about the downsides. But the example that you have given right now, it was already out there in the, let's say, internet, right? Uh, people yeah, could just use example. dollar. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, the difference between uh, dollar and the UST as a stablecoin is 
once the dollar is out there, if I now meet you in the real world and give you 10,000, nobody knows that. But if I give you um, from my wallet 10,000 to your wallet, it's on the blockchain. So we can track that transaction, mm -hmm. you know. So I would even say, I think Anthony Pompliano is saying this, that uh, to do this kind of illegal stuff on the blockchain is even way harder <laughs> than to do it mm -hmm. in the real world. On the other side, if you talk about Black Mirror, which I think is an amazing series, um, most of the stuff that are shown there are more from centralized system than from decentralized system. Because I don't know if you have seen everything which is Facebook doing with, a, with Meta and the metaverse. I rather would like to have a metaverse which is decentralized, where people have ownership, than to have a centralized metaverse where Facebook is basically holding all my data points. Um, I don't want to now fut Facebook by any means. I think they are a very important player and have brought a lot of innovation. And we should not always forget about this and only see, as you said, also the bad sides. But uh, it's all about this. So right now, um, we are using Facebook. The moment they say tomorrow, uh, let's take the data off of this guy. Let's, uh, I don't know, delete him. They can delete it. But if mm -hmm. we would have a decentralized Twitter, a decentralized Facebook, not possible, right? The data is on the blockchain. It's mine. Also, that's where NFTs are going more. Like, I think we, we need to learn to understand it's just tokenized data points and NFT, right? Mm -hmm. the NFTs will bring us, I think, to this position where you own your data and that will be very good for the future. So I see that as a positive development. Mm -hmm. What you just mentioned with the, is, it's a classical idea, the decentralized social network. But what we are forgetting there is there are thousands of people somewhere in low wage countries filtering all the bad stuff out which obviously is against the cyberpunk mentality but it makes it so someday your children have a more or less safe experience on that platform how do you imagine a decentralized network going forward how would that be addressed yeah um you know i believe in the good in human beings which you can call naive you and me, right? We probably have enough background in the internet to find this kind of pictures that you were talking about, right? To find this kind of stuff. But I doubt that you do it. And I can just speak for myself. I have no interest in doing this because why should I, right? But I also uh, understand at least what are the downsides on the other side because people are suffering, right? But I think it's also attached to education. If we put everybody in the position to benefit from something, the downside will not happen. It's more like, why do people need to steal? They need to steal because they don't have enough of something to survive. But if you put them into a position that they have enough to survive, why would they steal? They have no reason for that anymore, right? So I see it more broken systems, centralized system lead to poverty. And if we put everybody in a position where this is not relevant for him, where he can live his life, he has a house, he has food, like on Maslow, those topics are not relevant anymore. Um, but that's mm -hmm. just my take. <laughs> Probably way too positive. It's interesting because when I then say that I don't believe that without money as a form of incentive, people would not work anymore. And I don't believe that, right? I think there are more things to achieve. And everybody who has made enough money and also even people like, sorry, I use it now, Elon Musk or Doquan, they still work. They don't need to, but they have mm -hmm. a mission in life. And I think everybody can find that. But nobody does it. Why? Because they need to work hard to get food on the table. <laughs> so what mm -hmm. happens if uh, they don't need to do that anymore? Then they say, well, we have socialism. No, no, no. Let's, socialism is taking away stuff from others and give it to somebody, right? I just say, um, let's just trying to get everybody in a position that they can work for what they want. Uh, mm -hmm. It's, so, it's very philosophical here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, try, I just tried to put together the different strands of uh, what you were saying. Um, 
where do you see crypto in that future? Or how, did you just describe a universal basic income that, that you think the crypto world is going in this direction where people are going to have a basic income through crypto, maybe through stuff like Anchor where you have like 20% yield and you just have passive income? Um, yeah, let me maybe drive it in a little bit of a different direction. And I would be also interested to hear your take, right? Um, money is right now not only used to pay for stuff, but also to show value. It's the only form for us where we can show value, right? If we have achieved something, we usually also have more money. Uh, the yeah. question is if this is true uh, in the end, because if you take a look at gamer that spend hours online in playing games, which I have done myself, Uh, recently, even last year, because Corona came back. So I said, okay, I have more time again for gaming. They do it and they don't get anything monetary. What do they get? Mm -hmm. They get reputation. They get on the one side, the fun, but as we also see, they get a followership, they get a community. And mm -hmm. I think with uh, blockchain technology and NFTs, we are able to describe this now in a tokenized way so that this value can be captured. We don't need that function for money anymore that I need to now show or flex my own value in money. And the moment when you stop using money to describe your own value or how important you are, money loses a lot of value, right? It's more just, okay, I need to pay for my food. But the moment I enter the metaverse, people value something else way more than the money I have. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I don't really see it that, it that this is different in real life because... Um... I mean, you're not walking around with your bank account <laughs> number, right? I mean, but with your car, it's yeah. your Lamborghini, it's your uh, your jacket, which is having a big, um, I don't know, horse here, right? That's mm -hmm. what people do out there. The people that usually are uh, not caring about this, they already left this kind of whatever money I have is not relevant for my life, right? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think that's something that is uh, that everybody tries to achieve. But it is a long journey to get there. Yeah, but but uh, but isn't that like in the gaming in the metaverse? Is isn't it the same? Like, ah, oh, I have like this very rare. Personally, I would love to have a Fidenza, right? I don't, uh, or I have um, I don't know, a, a board ape, or, or let's say a punk. I mean, that's basically like the new status symbol. But I don't, yes. I don't think it it changed. I think it just made everything more. It's even more capitalistic because everything is um, liquid and you can see the value going up and you can know the value of everything while you, you don't really literally know the value of everything else. Uh, you know, like the vacation image of on Instagram, you don't really know or just being happy, you know, like laughing or even having a good body and, uh, and showing this off. There's value attached to this as well, but it's it's not really like a monetary value. While well, on metaverse, everything is monetary. Everything I think is right like now. Unfortunately, we do it like this. That's why I'm not a big fan of the 10K NFT collections because it's basically just based on scarcity and no active value because you cannot do anything with it, just flexing with it. Mm -hmm. I think we will uh, pretty soon uh, leave that stage and see the right power of NFTs because I think it will go more in a direction that you cannot just buy all of this. You need to work for it. It's the time that you invest in your achievements are basically then described as batches or NFTs, whatever you want. And you need certain NFTs to, to then achieve something else, right? So tokens lead to tokens. And uh, it's mm -hmm. basically a community effort. Right now, we are using the dollar to describe the value of those. But mm -hmm. more and more, I think it will just not be relevant uh, to describe the value of dollars. Because what you see also uh, right now is... 
you pay in ETH, you pay in Luna, which now yeah. is not calculated anymore in dollar. It, it's a completely different way of understanding value. And then mm -hmm. it will keep on. And we are going more and more away from that. The dollar is the base value we are calculating yeah. everything in. I think that you see beautifully on, on OpenSea where they still show the dollar amount when you buy something or resell something. But people think in ETH terms there, uh, Ethereum. And uh, is there NFTs on Luna? I, I'm not so aware of it. Uh, am I wrong or... It's super new, right? I think at the end of September, we had the first NFTs on the Terra ecosystem, right? Based on the Cosmos SDK, it took mm -hmm. a little bit longer to activate NFTs also in the Cosmos uh, ecosystem and in Luna. And then the first NFT was launched just a few days before Columbus 5, so the upgrade of the mainnet, and it was a stealth launch. It was called the Space Loot. Out of nowhere, they came. Um, I I was lucky to mint a few for a few cents, and then it kicked off a crazy NFT season on the Terra ecosystem. The amount of uh, projects we're having right now on Terra is crazy, and we have even different marketplaces. There is Randomers, there is Nowhere Art, there are new coming like One Planet and also Luart. So uh, it's it exploded pretty quickly, but mm -hmm. you also saw that the first like two or three projects minted out. Same structure, 10K collections. And then you saw like the nosedive of everybody yeah. else. Right now, the new projects maybe mint a thousand of 10,000 if they are lucky. And the prices yeah. also are going uh, southwards yeah. uh, in the moment. I'm a big fan myself and I'm holding a lot of NFTs, but I'm also at the same time criticizing in a way of what does now a 10K collection of JPEGs does? I think mm -hmm. not much <laughs> for now. I mean, what you can do with it? You mean like what is yes. the... Where's yeah. the value? Where's the value? Yeah. And then they say, it's the Rolex, it's the Lamborghini, I can show yes. up. I'm personally not interested so much in that. Uh, so I'm asking, okay, uh, I don't have a Lamborghini in real life. I will never have one. <laughs> I don't need okay. it. So where is then the real value? Because yeah. a Lamborghini is a car. And a Lamborghini is so interesting because everybody uses a car. So let's mm -hmm. first of all uh, find the base layer of what is the car for, and then we can create the Lamborghini mm -hmm. out of this. But I think... What is so fascinating about the Terra ecosystem that pretty quickly everybody aligned on, yes, it needs to move on, uh, which I am surprised that on Ethereum, unless you tell me it has moved on already strongly. I think it's still very much around this 10K collections. Yeah, yeah. And um, you see right now on Terra that we had one of the most interesting mints, which is the Levana Meteor Shower. I don't know if you heard about this. Um, mm, not really, no. If you want, I can just quickly. So Levana is a protocol, right? Um, and they're building leverage tokens. So this 2x Luna. They need a first pool that they need to fill with Luna to make this leverage happen, right? So mm -hmm. what did they say? We want this donated by people. How can we bring people to donate? We make an NFT mint, right? So now it's getting for me, oh, interesting, right? So it's the NFT is just like a badge or a thank you, a gamified way to fund another pool. Now we're talking. Now, how did they organize this? They made it in a gamified way. It was a media shower because there's lore, right? So they have dragons, they have media shower. Okay, it's a cool story also besides that. But they had a mint over 44 hours, right? Every hour, there were medias raining down. And uh, it depends uh, how many wallets take place and bid it and donate it in the amount of media. So it was basically an unlimited NFT mint, which for me was already wild, right? So it's not a 10K series, it's... Depending how much people take there, so much do we mint. Super cool. Mm, and then okay. you had to donate money. And then depending on how much you donated, you went into a tier. Everybody got a meteor. And now it just depends if the meteor, if you crack it open, if there is an egg, 
yes or no. And depending on how much you donated, you get an egg, yes or no, right? But the probability is higher if you, if you pay more, you have a high probability exactly. that you get an egg. And what exactly. is in the egg? I mean, it just sounds dragon. complicated. A, a dragon. Ah, the end, the dragon. And then the dragon will probably, they cannot say it because of legal, uh, you will get maybe um, more percentage in farming in the protocol or you will get other benefits. Mm-hmm. They say clearly in the disclaimer when you do it, it will have no utility. It's a legal topic, right? That they are not allowed to say this <laughs> right now. But now we're talking about the NFT was used to fund one of the most interesting protocols out there. They uh, put a community in charge with a gamified approach, really did this. And they did it for a good thing because the protocol is now funded. That's cool, right? Um, now we're talking. This is the next step. Mm-hmm. And then um, Delphi, which is one of the big incubators on the Terra ecosystem, they seem to be working now on the next step, which is a base layer for NFTs, right? I don't know if you've seen Ready Player One, uh, where basically you are a person and then everything mm-hmm. around you, the items are NFTs, if we are honest, right? So Ready Player One is showing the future of blockchain. And um, it would be great if the punks in, uh, in Ethereum are connected to the board, Ape Yacht Club, right? And you can somehow interact. They cannot. But mm-hmm. what happens when we create a base layer and now we start talking? Now, now we can fuse items. Now I can maybe get the head of the punk, but the body of the board ape, right? Then we go into Ready Player One in creating our own personality based on the NFTs we like and we have. Right. Um, this is really the future, I think. <laughs> oh, interesting. I haven't seen the movie, but I think I should watch it to, to get a, an image. Read the book. It's better than the movie even. <laughs> okay. No, that's interesting. I think, I think it's a good segue into your plan because you have something cooking as well, right? The Danku Zone. Can you walk us through what the Danku Zone is and um, um, what, what you have planned there? Yeah, I, I cannot give everything away because it's still in the making. And uh, of course, I want to make it a big bang once it's decided, but I can give you a background what I'm also teasing on Twitter partly. Um, so my idea is, can we create a DAO which helps the community, but also helps themselves educating on everything around DeFi. And I also want to connect this with NFTs because you've heard already that I'm a big fan of this Levana approach of having a different way how to use it and to not uh, really, um, let's say cap it at 10K. And I try to think about how can such a DAO use NFTs to give key rights or governance rights, right? Uh, and this kind of things. And I hope that I'll be able to connect all of this and also connect it with my content creation on another way <laughs> so that people mm-hmm. have an interest to be part of this. Mm-hmm. So let's see. <laughs> but um, earlier you mentioned this no loss um, protocol, right? Are we spilling leave it? Piler. Are we spilling a little bit too much tea when you say um, this is kind of a, a way how you think about solving um, how you found the creator, right? This is the key ingredient. So but- I think what um, Pylon said already in the beginning is that everything they want to do with this lossless approach can be basically used to pay for your, I don't know, phone contract. It can be maybe to pay off a loan, which... I mean, self-repaying loan, maybe you've heard about Alchemix on Ethereum, mm-hmm. is Kinetic, which is coming also on Terra. It's a different solution. And there is now, um, shout out also, of course, to the founder, Paul, a protocol coming on the Terra ecosystem, which is taking the idea of Pylon and putting it on content creator, and it's called Pixie. Instead of uh, the content creator needs to somehow create income, maybe there is an opportunity with the community which likes to watch the content creator to put down funds, and then with the yield created, 
support the content creator. And that's what Pixie is doing. And I think that's very interesting because it changes a lot the game of who is responsible for the content of the content creator. Because let's be honest, right now, if you need to fund your own day and you have not made a fortune already to just do content creation, you either need to sell your soul to somebody who is uh, advertising, right? And puts mm -hmm. it into your channel, or you need to hide behind a paywall. Uh, both yeah. topics where I would put a question mark if this really helps the content. Mm -hmm. And I think the idea of Pixie could maybe change the whole approach of let the people support you who also want to hear objective content from you. And it gives the content creator freedom. I think it's a noble approach. Does it work? We need to see. <laughs> yeah, because psychologically, like how this lossless uh, fund is, or, or how did you mention it? What, what did you say? Lossless fund? No. Oh, yeah, yeah. lossless investment. Right? Lossless investment. Yes. Okay. You, let's say you lock up 100 bucks, and in one year with Anchor, you would have 120, but in one year, you just take back 100. So you didn't lose. Psychologically, you can say, I didn't lose anything, but still somebody benefited from it. Yes. That, that's basically the idea behind it. Yeah. I mean, um, if you really go to zero principle, you could say I lost opportunity cost because I could have taken the 20 bucks myself. But yeah. I think also if you take a look in the TradFi world, we don't have such high yield opportunities. So everything that you don't invest actively, if you have somewhere fiat lying around because of inflation, it's losing value. And yeah. a lot of people still have a lot of fiat lying around because of security reasons. What if a part of this uh, could be uh, working for you to support content mm -hmm. creators that you like? And that's super interesting because let's be honest, um, somebody also told me, well, it's a subscription. And I said, well, I don't know because a subscription, your money does this, right? Yeah, But if yeah. you uh, do this, your money does this. They can't well, see you. They can't see you. <laughs> oh yeah, they can't, sorry. They can't see me. It's about, <laughs> I, I was showing my hand was going down, right? If you have yeah. a subscription, you lose funds. In yeah. a lossland investment, you keep your fund, right? And yeah. you give somebody else the yield. And okay, opportunity costs are the same, but outside of DeFi, you don't see that somebody gets 20%. Mm -hmm. It's completely crazy. And I think this opportunity, let's think a big YouTuber, like 1 million followers or so forth says, hey guys, um, I don't want to do any more advertisement. I think you can help me out. We need so and so much money. If everybody of you puts down 10 bucks, We can fund this completely, right? And then there's mm -hmm. no advertisement here at all. Now think about those 1 million people that maybe, because it's not a content creator focus on crypto, start now to get onboarded on crypto. Wild, mm -hmm. right? So I think mm -hmm. this also is an opportunity to get the mainstream more into crypto. Yeah, uh, that would be really cool. Uh, you just have a smart contract, you, you send the money there. And you can incentivize with NFTs or whatever batches, as, as you mentioned. Yeah. To take one step further. You know, sorry to interrupt you there. What, what does it mean now? Let's say a content creator says, hey, once a week, you decide my content. I give you an mm -hmm. NFT for governance reason because you're funding me. Tell me, what do you want to hear? Right? Uh, there is yeah. a poll out there. Take part of the governance. Or as a thank you, the ones that are pushing me most Let's do once a week a round. Everybody comes on my channel and we talk together and we give you exposure. This mm -hmm. kind of stuff, right? It's interacting with the people, getting them closer. I think this is something we cannot see yet. Raul Pal, right? One of the most influential people, I think, in crypto and amazing to listen to uh, from Real Vision and GMI. He says that social tokens will be the biggest change we will see in the next years. And I agree with him, right? Um, because uh, you don't pay now at Disney with dollars, you 
maybe pay with a Disney token. That means that while Disney grows and the token accrues value, if I'm a holder to pay with it, I'm also growing with the ecosystem, you know, so I'm benefiting for itself. And then we go into the direction, will we still denominate in dollar or will we start denominating in different tokens, which is a completely different mm -hmm. understanding of how value works. Mm -hmm. Um, hey, we, we are coming to a, over an hour already. I, I don't know how much time you have, but I, obviously I still have a lot of questions. <laughs> um, one of them is even super selfish, like uh, asking you a little bit about not financial advice for the listeners, but just for me. <laughs> And the other one would be, obviously, we have to ask you, where can people follow you? What should people do when they like what they heard? Which yeah, I'm sure if, they have. If they like what they heard, great. They can follow me on Twitter, on YouTube. Danko underscore R is where you can find me. I have also an own webpage where you find all the stuff. It's called danku.zone. Perfect. So maybe let's wrap this up with my other question, which would be, what would you say is like the Pareto principle of investing in Terra? I personally hold UST in Anchor. I have some Luna staked. That's about it. Is there something you would say, hey, you are losing money, you should do this and that? I think you're going to make it is already the big uh, <laughs> exclamation mark. <laughs> you know, if it comes about investing, crypto helped me a lot in also finding my way into investment as a whole, right? Because coming from a family with a migration background, never holding any assets before, investing was always something negative, bad, right? And then credit mm -hmm. and how to take with this. So this journey helped me a lot in understanding this. So I break down my own investments into L1 holdings like Luna, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and I'll never mm -hmm. touch them. I go for a DCA approach monthly. I don't check prices. I just accumulate over time. And uh, mm -hmm. I adjust how much I accumulate based on the market situation, right? Greed or fear. If it's fear, mm -hmm. I accumulate more. If it's greed, I accumulate less. Um, so everything regarding Luna, I don't put it into a liquidity pool where I can maybe face impermanent loss because I don't want to lose one, I don't know, percentile of Luna. Uh, so, mm -hmm. And then what can you do with it? You can either stake what you do because then you grow with the system, you get staking rewards, but you get a lot of airdrops, right? So the future protocols which are coming, almost everybody in the Terra ecosystem airdrops you their token. Super cool. Mm -hmm. The problem is... You need to stake, I think, at least like 300 to 400 Luna before the airdrops make sense for you, right? Because mm -hmm. if not, the transaction costs kill you. So uh, it's just a little bit of a question mark. So just letting everybody know. And it's a lot of money right now. It's 300 to 400 Luna, right? It's not like a few months ago. Yeah. What you can alternatively do, there is right now a liquidity pool, which is a stable pool on TerraSwap, which is called Luna B Luna, right? So if you go on Anchor, you can borrow against your Luna. For that, you need to mint B Luna, which is the same as Luna. And there needs to be a liquidity pool so that the liquidator can swap <laughs> that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And the pool has an APR between 8 and 25% over a year, which is great because Luna and B Luna are always more or less the same value. It was partly 40% this year, which is wild, right? On such an apex asset uh, like Luna. So you, mm -hmm. can, you can stay, you can do liquidity providing as you did. And in the next months, there will be Stata, There's another protocol where you can, um, it helps you with staking, right? So that you don't need to select a, a validator. It auto compounds your rewards and it will have a farming opportunity in the next weeks. So Stata could be something that is interesting for your Luna. Uh, also, if you want to stake it there and all the protocols that I mentioned before, they have probably farming opportunities for you where you could put in your Luna. But I would make it and keep it easy for you. You stake Luna, 
it's already great. <laughs> mm. Hey, Danku, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much for the invitations. I enjoyed this a lot. Thank you. If you want to learn more about Terra, you should listen to episode 9 with Do Kwon himself. You can find the episode on the DeFi website or wherever you're listening to the podcast right now. Speaking of finding good podcasts, please consider leaving a 5-star review and help spread the word about DeFi. Here are some ideas. Send this episode to a friend who might be interested. Check out the website, visit defire.money and click on subscribe to get new episodes and access to show notes. Also make sure to follow us on Twitter at defiremoney. All of this helps so we can continue to produce more episodes more frequently and get the most interesting guests on the show that you deserve. The music in this episode is from KND Beats and the signature sound as always is from Verified Picasso. Good night and see you soon.